All right, so listen, um, today we are finishing up our uh, series, The Great Reset. Next Sunday, we do have water baptisms, but also we're going to start our series on the book of Revelation. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that, and we'll, we'll do a little bit. We'll, we'll do it section at a time, because we have other things that we'll be doing throughout the year. We have our, you know, Easter's coming up. We have that, our Easter series for our Easter offering and things like that, but we're going to take our time. And we're going to look at what the literal sense of revelation means. Amen? So that's what's coming up. But we, this series here, The Great Reset, we did this as a way to start off the new year. Right? Because you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you are still committed to your New Year's resolutions that you set out to do? You know? All right. A couple. Three or four or six. <laughs> But isn't it true, though, that, that we, uh, a new year is, is a time to, for a fresh start, for a reset, for something new. I want to change something. I want to, I want to uh, uh, start some schooling. Um, my spouse and I, we want to work on our marriage. We want to work on our parenting. I want to work on being a better sibling, child, you know, whatever. And so there's often times in life where we need to kind of evaluate ourselves, evaluate where we are at in order to make a fresh start, in order to get a reset going, in order to see if this is exactly where I need to be. Am I on target with where I want to be in life? Am I on target with my goals? Do my goals line up with God's will for me? You know, oftentimes I hear people say, well, if it's God's will, this is what will happen. Well, yeah, but you don't just float through life hoping that it's God's will, right? We have to do things too. We have to be active. We have to be proactive. We have to be reactive. We have to invite him in. God, is this where I'm supposed to be? And oftentimes there's adjustments that need to be made or little tweaks here and there that need to be made. Because what happens is, and correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes we end up drifting off course, right? And, and, and by the time we realize we're off course, we're way off course. And everybody around us saw it happening, but we didn't, and we're so surprised, and nobody else around us is. And, and then we, we need to make like a radical reset. We really need to get our ship, so to speak, back on course. But if we do these evaluations every now and then, if we see ourselves off course a little bit, it's a lot easier to get back to where we want to be. And then also, sometimes, maybe we've made some decisions. Maybe... Maybe we thought this was the right thing to do, but we found out it really, really, really wasn't. Or maybe life just happened, and now we're sitting here going, now what do I do? Like, how do I climb out of this? Or how do I get through this? Or how do I deal with this? And, and, and it's good to just kind of step back, take a look at everything, evaluate it, and then do a reset. Just start over. You know, the thing about Jesus is, that's what he loves to do. He loves to help us start over, start fresh, start new. He's all about new things, right? He's all about that constant transformation of our mind by the renewing of our mind. That's new things. The Christian lifestyle is, is always finding out what is it that God wants me to do. It's never complacent. And so no matter what the reason is that you may feel you need a reset or you're looking for a fresh start, Jesus is the one who can help us get that reset started, get that change started. Help us get realigned in life again. 
Psalm 145, verse 14 says this. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. Now, I like that. And then Psalm 138, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. I like that too. But here's the thing. These two verses alone are great ways to start a conversation with God. God, life is just crazy. It's heavy. It's too much. I can't bear it. I'm I'm carrying this load and I can't do it anymore. I need your help. Your word tells me that you will help me with that. I need your help. Or God, I don't sense where you're at in my life. I thought I had a plan. I thought I had some direction. I don't feel like my prayers are being heard or even answered. I don't know where you're at. I don't even know where I'm at in life. I need you to help me with the plans that you have for my life. See what I'm saying? Now, if you start a conversation with God based on these verses, now you don't just sit back in the recliner and wait for God to work, right? Because that's not how it works. Oftentimes in the, in the scriptures, you'll hear that phrase, wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord. We just, we're just saying that. Well, that doesn't mean that now you just sit there and wait on the Lord. It means you're proactive. You, you live your life. You work your job. You do your best. And you look for God in the process. That's waiting on the Lord. That's looking for him, seeing where he's at, following his direction while you're doing what you need to do to keep things going. Does that make sense? And then, when, if we use these verses, then what we do is we invite God in on the reset. God, I don't know where you're at. God, life is too heavy. I can't deal with this by myself. I need a change. I need a fresh start. I need something new. And then you look for him in that process. Because here's the deal. When life gets us down, when we don't know how we're going to make it, when we can't see the next day from the next, and we invite God into a reset, to a fresh start, he is the one who gives us the encouragement and the strength and the power and the wisdom and the help and the resources and the people who will help see us through that chapter of our lives. Yeah. And so as we end this series, we're going to look at three questions that we need to ask when doing a fresh start, when doing a reset. The who, though, is it the, oh, the who, what was it, the who, the what? No, the where, the what, and the who. The, the, wait, 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 wait. Messed up. Put the slide back on. <laughs> the where, the who, and the what. Thanks, Elric. Yes. <laughs> Whew. It's too much, too much partying last night. You know what? I'll t- let, me, let me tell you something. So we were at this concert last night, right, with all these Christian bands and all these testimonies and stuff. And you know what the best thing about it was? Thousands of people together in an arena worshiping God. And it just felt good, you know? So I'm, I'm kind of floating off of that. So forgive me. Elric, keep me in track here, would you please? <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do today is we are going to look at a story in the Gospel of Mark about a man by the name of Bartimaeus. Now, I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. Bartimaeus was once blind until he had an encounter with Jesus, and now he could see. But the first question we need to ask 
when we're looking for a fresh start is where am I? Where am I? Like, where am I right now according to where I should be, I want to be, and do I want to stay here? Like, where am I and do I want to stay in this place? Like, these are the, this is the question we have to ask ourselves. And if you're a journal, if you'd write, you know, write it down. Or the way I like to phrase it is this, where am I and where do I want to be? Where am I right now and where do I want to be? Okay? So there's, and, and here's, 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 here's something too. This is just a little Bible trivia. There's, there's several stories in the Gospels about Jesus giving people their sight, right? Healing the blind. Okay, there's several stories. And actually, I, 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 uh, I Googled this. And quite a few of them happened in the city of Jericho where this one is at. So I don't know what was happening over there, but... <laughs> but Bartimaeus is the only blind person that Jesus gave his sight back who we know his name of. Now, the same story is written in the Gospel of Luke, and it just says a blind man. It doesn't say his name. So I'm just maybe inclined to think that there's something maybe a little special about Bartimaeus. Or maybe he and Mark had a pretty tight relationship. Like, because in the end of the story, it says Bartimaeus followed Jesus down the road. So maybe he and Mark were hanging out. I, I don't know. But like, there's the famous story of the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name, but that's a story that thousands of sermons have been preached on. But do you know what Jesus did call her? Daughter. He called her daughter. Your faith has made you well, daughter. Go, you are healed. And so I, I, sometimes it's, it's good to kind of pick up on this stuff. I don't know how much it has, you know, how much important it has to it. But, but Bartimaeus, we know his name. So, so let's go to Mark chapter uh, 10. And in verse 46, we're going to read the story and then we'll just kind of go over it. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Now, you, we could just read this story and be like, oh, that's cool. Jesus healed the blind man, and then he followed him. And... But there's a lot in this story here, church. First of all, let's just break it down. We don't know how long Jesus and his disciples were in the town of Jericho. It starts out, they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left the town, a large crowd was with them. So I don't know, maybe it was a, like, a, like a weekend tour, you know, a little healing preaching tour Jesus was on. Let's go to Jericho, we'll get there Friday, we'll head out Monday morning and we'll go somewhere else. Now, I don't know. But on their way out of town, a large crowd was with them and the blind man, Bartimaeus, the beggar, begins yelling for Jesus, right? 
And the fact that Bartimaeus refers to Jesus as the son of David tells me that he knew that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting for. He knew that Jesus was the Savior of the world because the son of David was a reference to the lineage of the family line that Jesus was in. David is the King David. That was only a phrase used for the Messiah. So Bartimaeus knew this. So, so let's, say, let's just say Jesus had been in town three days, maybe even a week, all right? But either way, I'm pretty sure the kingdom of God was present. Some healings were happening. Some people were being delivered of demonic oppression. People's uh, 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 hearts and eyes were open to the kingdom of God, the love that God had for him. These new teachings that they've never heard before where Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God. Right? The very first sermon Jesus preached, repent and be saved, the kingdom of God is near. And so I, I picture that that is kind of like the theme for the week or the days or whatever, however long he was there. And then Bartimaeus, the blind beggar on the side of the road, he's been hearing about this, you know, because he's blind, and, and this is just me, all right? This is just me. He's blind. He has a spot, maybe at the city gate, wherever. It's probably a good spot to beg for money. And if he leaves, he'll lose his spot, maybe. But he's blind. I, I assume he has nobody to lead him around. So he hears about what's happening, and something's going on in his heart. That's the Messiah. It's Jesus. He's here. Imagine his excitement when he hears the crowds coming. Maybe, maybe, maybe people are coming out of their homes or out of their shops, and, you know, they're coming down the road. And Bartimaeus is like, what? He's coming down this road? The road that, where I'm at? Imagine the excitement that's leaping up within him. He gets excited and starts yelling for Jesus. And instantly the people tell him to stop, be quiet. Now just church, this is a man who's been, who's been sidelined by life, right? When's the Super Bowl coming up? That's a Super Bowl term, right? Football term. <laughs> I'm not a sports guy. He's been sidelined by life, okay? He's got nobody with him. Hope is finally, like, like, maybe here, somewhere, near. Does anybody here right now, you don't have to raise your hand, feel like you've been sidelined by life? There's nobody to help you. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you're not where you want to be in life. And if we really want to know the answer to those questions, right? How do I get out of where I'm at? How do I get somebody to pay attention to me? How do I, I need help. I, I, you know what, I go to church, I do all the right things, I tithe, I, I go to a life group, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, but yet nobody notices me outside of my church atmosphere. And I'm lonely, and I'm stuck. Our creator is the starting point for that. 
See, in Psalm 32, verse 8, it says this. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. That's a life verse for me. Because I know that God says, I've got your best interest in mind. Chip, I'm your advisor. I'm your counselor. I'm the one that will help you make the decisions. Now, there's people, you know, in my life that I trust, that I lean on for that counsel as well. But God says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Now, listen to this, Psalm 139. Now, it switches. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Do you know what that sounds like to me? Self-evaluation with my creator. You know, when I first became a Christian, I used to pray this prayer before I went to bed. God, first of all, I was constantly asking for forgiveness because I wanted to just make sure things were good. But then I would, I would do this. I would say, God, if there's anything I did today that I don't know about, please forgive me. Because I, I just, I did it. I, I equated that to the fear of the Lord. I wasn't scared. I just, you know what? I, wanted, I just wanted to make sure everything was good. Search me, God. Has anybody here actually honestly said, God, if there's anything in me that offends you, cut it out. Highlight it to me. I want to know. Because if there is, it's going to come in between us and the, path, the best path of life that God has for us. That's the thing. So, back to Bartimaeus. The fact that he believed, I believe, that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah tells me also that he probably knew some scripture. And if that's true, if we, we'll just, for the sake of this teaching, we'll make that assumption, I have to believe that as he's sitting by himself on the side of the road, begging, probably dirty, his clothes aren't the best, he's probably just, let's just put it, he's probably filthy, right? He's a beggar for food and money. I'm willing to bet he's had some pretty serious conversations with God about where his position is at in life. And I'm also wondering if he is wondering, God, why are you not answering me? Because also at that time, if a person was blind or had a, had a lifelong illness or anything like that, it was often thought that they sinned somewhere in the past or a family member sinned, and now it's, they're dealing with that sin. That's what was thought. Because there's a story where the disciples asked Jesus, they walked past a, a man, who, who, who caused this? He or his parents? Who sinned for this to happen? And Jesus said, neither. And the kingdom of God is going to break through today. Just watch. Now, Bartimaeus, he's, he's been wondering all along, like, God, why am I like this? Why can't you help me? Where are you at? Now I hear that Jesus is here. I believe he's the Messiah. And all of a sudden, he's starting to come down the road that Bartimaeus has been begging for years. An opportunity is now coming where Bartimaeus does not have to be where he has always been in life. An opportunity is coming where Bartimaeus can now be in a different position in life, where he wants to be. 
And he was not going to let this opportunity pass him by. So now comes the second question. The who. Who are we listening to? Where do we want to be? Do we want to stay here? Where do we want to be? How do we get there? And who are we listening to? Because who we listen to determines the direction of our life. Who has your ear? What does Bartimaeus do when Jesus walks by? He begins yelling, Jesus, son of David. He's yelling. And in response to him yelling for Jesus, for his chance for hope and help and healing, the crowd says, be quiet. You're ruining our, our celebration. You have been over here all this time. We, we've been walking around you for years. Stop, Bartimaeus. You're going to embarrass us. This is Jesus coming down the road. Can we just take a second to picture what that looks like? For Bartimaeus, this poor guy. And suddenly, though, when Jesus heard Bartimaeus, he stops and says, come here. Now, this is where I think Jesus had an ear open to the Holy Spirit, to the voice of God. I used to read the Gospels and think, yeah, Jesus, he often went away and spent time with the Father, and so he knew what was going to happen, and he always had the right answers because he was Jesus, and, 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 and he, he, he always did the right thing because he was Jesus. But here's the way I'm picturing this, church. Jesus is, he's, he's celebrating, people are celebrating, they're cheering, he and the boys are on their way out of town, they're going to maybe get a campfire going later on that night, fry up some fish or something that Jesus just makes appear, I don't know. But he hears a man yelling for him. Not only does he hear a man yelling for him, he hears the phrase, son of David. And now the Holy Spirit says, hey, pay attention. The Holy Spirit highlighted Bartimaeus to him. And Jesus said, wait a minute. We're not done. See, when we go through life as followers of Jesus, we have access to all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had, right? Words of, of prophecy, words of knowledge, healing and faith and words of wisdom and all of that stuff. We can move in all of them as God sees fit, as the Holy Spirit sees fit to move through us with that. Jesus could have easily missed it. Jesus could have easily said, we got to get going. But he stopped because he was constantly observing and listening and paying attention to what the Father was doing. And, and not only did he hear Jesus, he heard son of David. He heard a, a, a man who knew who he was, and so he stopped. But, but get this, church. Who are we listening to? Who are we listening to in life? Remember, so Bartimaeus yelled out for Jesus, and the crowd told him, stop yelling. Who has our ear? Like, for instance, we have all the world's information in our pocket or in our purses or whatever. Everything we need in the world 
All information is right here. We can look up, we can look up anything. The, we don't, as Christians who like to study the Bible, don't need to carry that 15-pound thesaurus around with us anymore. It's on our phones. Every commentary that was written, you know, gener- years ago is on our phone. We can look up this stuff. All the world's information is on our phones. We have all the influence of everything, both correct and incorrect knowledge on our phones. We have about 12 social media platforms out there that we can be a part of. We've got the, I'm going to age myself, but I'm going to try to sound cool. We've got the shorts. We've got the reels. We've got the TikToks. We've got the B-reels. We've got the YouTube videos. All of this stuff has information that we can gather, and really, half of it's incorrect. Over half of it is. But we believe it because it's the first thing we heard on that topic. Right? It's all out there at our fingertips. And then we have the people around us. We have the cable news. We have all of that stuff if you watch TV anymore. But the people around us, who have we given permission to speak into our lives? That's a big deal. Like Like the vineyard area pastors meetings that I attend once a month at this church. They meet at this church. It goes from Delaware down to Hawking, this side of 71, Delaware to Hawking County out to Zanesville, and we all meet once a month. And there's, there's probably half of those guys, about 20 churches, probably about half of them have my ear. I will listen to them. Because they are where I want to be as a pastor. And then the other half, maybe, maybe some of them have my ear. I, maybe some of them, maybe I have some of their ears. I don't know. But we share things with each other. We talk with each other. We get direction and guidance and counsel from each other. We pray with each other. And let me tell you something. Within the Vineyard Association, that is something special. But then I have a smaller group. You know who has my ear the most is Kim. You, your husband and wife, you, you, there should be, that trust level should be exponential. Don't just let anybody speak into your life because you know what? Here's the deal. All those voices, all that stuff, all that chatter, all that, I call it peripheral, doesn't have your best interest in mind. So who is our influence when it comes to making decisions, especially decisions based on a reset in life. Who's our influence? Because the crowd, all of that, doesn't really care about you. Because what did they tell Bartimaeus? Shut up, stop yelling. We're trying to celebrate here. You, you, you don't, stop, be quiet. But as soon as Jesus called Bartimaeus over, what, this is where I, this is, what did the crowd do? I'm going to get a little sarcastic here, all right? Hey, cheer up, buddy. Come on, he's calling you. We, we didn't mean to tell you to shut up. I, you're, come on, come with us. The crowd went from shut up to cheer up in a matter of seconds. That's not who you want speaking into your life. The crowd... All that peripheral stuff is an unstable source. But Jesus, Jesus is the one 
that really, truly cares for us. And I believe that Jesus heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hey, pay attention here. I want you to do something. Pay attention. All the crowd sells, all of that stuff, is a sort, it's, it, it, it sells false hope. And we buy into it sometimes. But Jesus brings hope. Jesus is hope. And he's stable. And the hope that Jesus brings cuts through all the voices that we listen to. And the first thing is kind of silly, but the first, what's the first thing Jesus says to Bartimaeus? What do you want me to do for you? Well, I don't know. Can we start with my sight? <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? Imagine the crowd that was just telling him to shut up. Now, hey, come on, buddy. You're, you can be part of us now. What do you want me to do for you? I don't know, man. I, I, almost, I almost picture Jesus just, just putting his hands on Bartimaeus, just like right here, right? You know, like looking him straight in the eyes, knowing you can't see him. What do you want me to do for you? Like he didn't speak it very loud. He spoke just to Bartimaeus. So, so like where are we at? Where do we want to be? Who are we listening to? Who is our influence? And what do we want? What is it that we want? See, this, this story teaches us, the story teaches us that when we come to Jesus, we need to know what it is that we want. Because oftentimes, don't we come to Jesus with a long list of wants and needs? And then we go on about on our life and we're hoping he's going to hit maybe a few of them. We don't even listen for a response. This is the most important question we need to be willing to ask when it comes to a reset. First of all, ask yourself that. What is it that I want? All right, I've, I've, I've figured out where I want to be. I've, I've, I've cut out some of these influences. Now, now what do I want? What is it that, not need, okay, but want? We, everybody knows what they need, so let's expand it a little bit. What do I want out of this situation to be where I want to be? And honestly ask ourselves that what question, okay? And then be prepared for Jesus to ask you the same question back. Well, I know what you want, Chip. I've been hearing you. What is it that you want from me? Like, what do you want for me to do? And Bartimaeus said, I want to see. Bartimaeus didn't say, why am I blind? He didn't have all these questions. He wasn't upset or anything. He was dialed in on that hope and that help and that healing that he knew that he could get from the son of David. I want to see. 
with the crowds cheering and all the hooting and hollering and the, the disciples are probably, you know, here we go again, we love Jesus, yes, 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 and man, I hope he, I hope he makes something appear for the campfire tonight, it's going to be good. I hope he doesn't want to fast. <laughs> right? Everybody's cheering and hollering. But Jesus took the time to pay attention to what was going on outside of all of that with Bartimaeus yelling out his name. Instantly, the man could see, and the story ends with, he followed Jesus down the road. And again, Luke tells the same story, but he doesn't use Bartimaeus' name. So just, just my imagination, maybe, 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 Mark and Bartimaeus, they hung out. I, I don't know. Maybe they didn't, but Mark uses his name, so maybe they hung out and talked. But can you imagine from there on out Bartimaeus' story? I was blind, and now I see. Now, before we wrap this up, we're not quite done. Because, you know what? I want to be honest. I w let's get honest for a second. I want you to know how much I love these kinds of stories in the Gospels, right? Jesus healed everybody. There's a couple times where he didn't. He goes into the pool of Bethesda where all the crippled people were and the sick people, and he healed one person and left. I got questions about that. I'm not going to ask them when I get to heaven. I just kind of wonder what's up with that. But... These stories give me hope, right? And, and, and if we can, you know, kind of just put yourself in the story and don't use your imagination so much that you make more out of the story than it is, right? But these are stories where a person's uh, uh, faith coincided with the healing that they got. It was their faith. But isn't it oftentimes we have the greatest faith in the world and nothing seems to happen? Like, what's up with that? You know, I struggle with that. And, and I'm a pastor, right? I, I have all the faith in the world, I think. It's supposed to be just like a mustard seed. That's all you need, a little bit. And sometimes it hurts, right? I believe, I believe Jesus can do anything, but sometimes those prayers don't get answered. And so what I've learned to do is just kind of like, well, Jesus, what, what am I focusing in on? You know, I've, I've, here's the deal. I say I struggle with that, but it's not, like, it's not like I'm, you know, I've come to terms with it. Here's what I've come to terms with, the mysterious nature of God. You know, he's not so mysterious that, you know, we need, we need to be mysterious and weird when we're out in the world, but there is some mystery to God, right? He says, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it's coming. You don't know where it's going. You don't know how it's going to blow. Ecclesiastes and Solomon wrote that. He says, just like you don't know where the wind comes or you don't know where it's going. You don't know what God's doing from beginning to end. You don't know the mysterious ways of God. He's going to do things that we don't understand why. But I think what we need to do in that not understanding is learn to follow him. Learn to trust in him. Because here's the thing, and I don't say this to, to brag or boast or anything like that, but here's the deal. I think coming to terms with the mysterious nature of God is a whole nother level of faith. It's a level of faith that says, you know what, Jesus? I'm okay 
that you know what's best for me and maybe I don't. I will tell you this, God doesn't bring sicknesses on us to teach us a lesson to learn something in life. We live in a fallen world. According to the Gospel of John chapter 8, this is the devil's kingdom. And so there's going to be sickness and disease and death and all that stuff we don't, we don't, want to, we don't understand. Why is it here? Why aren't you moving, God? We don't understand why that stuff happens. The kingdom of God has not fully made itself present right here on this earth. Jesus hasn't set up his kingdom to fully rule and reign on this earth just yet. And so until he does, we have to deal with the, the, why, God? Why? And it's okay to ask the whys, but I think there needs to be some trust in there. God, I, I don't know why, but I trust. I trust. And this is a vineyard distinctive. This is called the already and the not yet. The kingdom of God is already here. We can see it breaking in. It's going to break into some of our lives as we move into worship. It might be breaking into some of your lives right now. You might just be filled with something right now. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet fully established in its fullness where Jesus will sit on the throne and rule and reign here someday. So we have to trust. Now, Earlier in John chapter 10, there's a story. I'll just, I'll just quote it, but you can back up and read it a little bit. James and John, two of the disciples, they come to Jesus. They say, uh, they say uh, we have a favor to ask of you. We have a little favor, Jesus. And we're whispering because we don't want anybody else to hear about this favor. But Jesus gives them a what question. He says, what is your request? And they said, well, when you're, when you're sitting on the throne of your glorious kingdom, we want to sit at your right and your left hand. And Jesus says, oh, oh, guys, boys, you have no idea. This is what, in the New Living Translation, which is what I teach from, you have no idea the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink. You have no idea the baptism of suffering that I am about to be a part of, which is being nailed to the cross so that we can have our sins forgiven. You have no idea, boys. And then he says, but you know what? It's not for me to decide where you sit when you get to heaven. See, here's the thing, church. We must be willing to listen for the answer of the what question and accept it. We've got to be willing to accept what it is that Jesus says back to us, where it is that he wants us in life. Because he's got things for each one of us to do. We need to listen to those who we allow to speak into our lives. And then we need to listen to the voice of God's Holy Spirit. We started off this series really promoting small groups because that's where a lot of it happens. Small groups, we do life together, we hang out together, we read scripture together, we talk, we pray, we learn about each other, and we allow people to speak into our lives. That's what a small group is from. And, and, and you might find that 2 a.m. friend in a small group. What's a 2 a.m. friend? It's that person you can rely on in the middle of the night when you are going crazy in your head 
I need some help. When Jesus moved in people's lives in the Gospels, sometimes it was instant, like Bartimaeus. Sometimes it was gradual. Remember, there was a, a blind person healed and took, I don't know, it might have taken all day. He says, what do you see? I see people walking around like trees, and just stick figures and stuff. Took a little while. And sometimes Jesus challenged the person. Sometimes he was a tad bit offensive too, if I'm being honest. But he challenged them. What, asking them questions and stuff. We need to be willing to start and continue the conversation with Jesus on the best plan for the reset in life that we're looking for. And so we'll, we'll close it with this. Our initial reset in life, right, is being united with Jesus and made right with God. That's where it starts. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from our sin. Isn't that cool? So God brought you into a relationship with Jesus. God was the one chasing after you so that we would have access to wisdom itself, Jesus. And Jesus makes us right with God. And none of this we do on our own strength, in our own power. Invite Jesus in on the reset. And you know what? Wrestle the answers to these questions out with people that you trust and then bring them back to Jesus. Where am I? Where do I want to be? Who has my attention? Who am I listening to? Who are my influences? And what is it that I want? Jesus, this is what I want. And then Jesus is going to say, what do you want from me? And then be willing to accept his answer and move in that. Because Jesus is the wisdom that we need. This passage says, God made him to be wisdom itself. And here's the thing, church. Nobody wants us to succeed more than Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Man, God, I, I just thank you. I just sense, and I was talking to some others this morning, I, I sense like God is going to do something special here this morning. God is going to move in a way in some of your lives that, that you know what, maybe you, maybe you came to church expecting, and maybe you're here and you're going to be blown away. And here's my prayer. As we move into a time of worship, God, I'm going to ask that your Holy Spirit moves throughout this room for those who need to hear from you. I, I believe with all my heart there's people here that you're looking for a reset. You're looking for a fresh start. You're looking to get things back on track. Some of you, it's just a little adjustment, a little tweak. And some of you, it's a whole, it, it, everything new. Here's the thing. God wants your best interest. God has your best interest in mind. And nobody wants you to succeed more.
more than Jesus. So God, I want to invite your presence in here as we head into a time of worship that we could hear clearly from you, Lord, and know the answers to the questions we've been asking. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.